Hello and welcome to another episode of Fundamentals. I'm your host, Harley. Joining me on this episode is powerlifter, coach, and all-round delightful human being, Jordan Syatt. Jordan agreed to take some time out of his incredibly busy schedule to discuss something that he's been passionate about from a very early age, and that is weightlifting. That's right, weightlifting. You know those guys that walk into gyms and pick up the heavy thing only to put it back down again? Yeah, we're talking about them. But as you'll find out in this discussion, there's so much more to it than just that. So we discuss how he got involved, what he's learned in his time, and where you can start if you'd like to know more. This has really been one of my favourite conversations to record so far, so I really hope you guys enjoy this and stick around at the end for a bit more information on where to find him and his work. But enough from me, this is Weightlifting with Jordan Syatt. Hello Jordan and welcome to the Fundamentals Podcast. Thanks man, thanks for having me. Awesome, genuine pleasure my friend. So um, yeah, I thought when I reached out to you we could have a chat about weight training. It's obviously quite a large topic and as I'm sure I'll probably have future guests on that will talk about more specific niches and what have you. Um, but yeah, you were just one of the first people I thought of when I was thinking of reaching out and, and doing this. So um, let's just get straight to it then. So the first question for you then is, when did you first get into weight training? So I remember, this isn't really when I first got into it, but I remember the first time I ever lifted, I was on vacation with my mom and brother, and there was a gym across the street. And I just I remember it was like like across the street from the hotel there was like this complex with like grocery stores, gyms, CVS, whatever. And uh, I was like, oh man, what is that? And my mom just took me in, and and the gym owner must have been just very generous because I just walked right in and just started going on the cable machines and screwing around. And I remember my triceps were so sore the next day. I was like, <laughs> what was that? I just did whatever I saw a really big guy doing, right, and then right. but I really got into it because of wrestling. So I started wrestling when I was eight years old. Um, okay. my older brother was getting picked on a lot and my mom was like, all right, I want you guys to be able to defend yourself. So I want you to wrestle. But when I was eight, the only wrestling that I knew of was like WWE, like hitting people with chairs. And I, I remember <laughs> I, I, I said to my mom, I was like, you want me to hit someone with a chair? She was like, no, Olympic style wrestling. And I was like, right. I don't know. So we started doing it and I fell in love with it. I got obsessed with it. And, um, I wrestled from eight years old to 18 years old. And when I went into high school as a freshman, I, I made varsity as a freshman. So I beat a junior out for the varsity spot and I, I was cutting a lot of weight. So I was cutting from 112 to 103 every week. And I was good technically and endurance wise, cause I'd already been doing it for so many years, but strength wise going up against juniors and seniors, like I was four years younger than them. So I didn't have enough strength. So I was like, I need to get stronger. And I applied to a gym in a town nearby. I was just like, you know, I don't know anything about strength training, but I want to get stronger. Can I come and intern and work for you for free? And fortunately, they took me in. They said yes. And fortunately, they were very science-based and very well-versed in how to do it properly. So I worked there all through high school. And uh, that's really where I got my introduction into science-based strength and conditioning. And I fell in love with it. Brilliant. Awesome. Uh, so my understanding, because I've been listening to you for quite a while, is that you sort of carried on in that. And like you say, just tried to build up your knowledge and apply yourself to it. 
I then, correct me if I'm wrong, I understand that you went into powerlifting for a bit, so you sort of went a bit more serious with your weight training. So how, how did that happen? So it's actually, it's a pretty common shift for a lot of wrestlers like in high school to shift over to powerlifting. Um, number one, a lot of wrestlers lift weights, they want to get stronger. And part of the, the weightlifting programs for, power, for wrestlers include the powerlifts, squats, deadlifts, and some bench press too, but mainly squats and deadlifts. So I started to really get into the power lifts as part of my programming for wrestling. And when I decided to stop wrestling, I was like, I don't want to cut weight like I did in wrestling anymore. And basically what that meant, like in wrestling, I was cutting weight every week, sometimes two times a week. It was just brutal for four or five, six months at a time. So in powerlifting, you only compete two or three times a year. So if I was going to cut weight for that, it was significantly easier and I had a longer time to do it. So I already knew how to cut weight and I already loved weightlifting. So powerlifting seemed like a really, a really good next step, especially because I loved lifting anyway and I wanted to get stronger. So I started getting really involved with powerlifting and in that community. And it also helped that I was, I was good at it. Like I was very lucky in that I was, I was, I'm a good athlete. I have good hand-eye coordination. I'm, I'm, I was never smart. I was never like the smartest kid in class, but I was a very athletic kid. So um, I really got into powerlifting and deadlifting was my thing. Like I love deadlifting. It's what I cared about most. So um, that was it. So when I got to college, I, I went full on board. I started the powerlifting team at my college, my university. And um, then I, I, when I started to make a name for myself in the powerlifting world, like lifting really, really heavy weights for my weight class, that's when I was like, I could make a career out of this. And, uh, and I went full on with it for, for about five to six years. Amazing. All right. So just for anyone who doesn't know then, so, I mean, you've, I think you've covered the bases quite well, but what exactly is powerlifting then? So powerlifting is the sport of the squat bench press and deadlift. And essentially your goal as a powerlifter is to lift as much as you possibly can in the squat, the bench press and the deadlift for one single repetition. So they call Mm. it your one repetition maximum. Your one RM is how much weight can you possibly lift in the squat and the bench press and the deadlift for one rep. And so when you go to a competition, you have three attempts with each lift. So you have three attempts for your squat, three attempts for your bench press, and three attempts for your deadlift in that order. So you do three times squat, three times bench, three times deadlift. And they'll take your best lift from your squat, your best lift from your bench press, and your bench best lift from your deadlift, and they'll combine them all to create a total. So when you're competing in powerlifting, you have your squat, your bench press, and deadlift individually, but then you also have your total score as well. So in the competition, you want to try and outdo everybody with your total but also individual lifts too brilliant thank you thank you um yeah so i mean it sounds you i think again you've kind of covered it quite nicely but it sounds like the part of the appeal then was a you you felt comfortable doing it and b am i right in thinking that there was perhaps a little bit of thrill in the contest is there was there a a sort of part of you that enjoys competition are you naturally that that way or competition is everything for me i love love competition i make up competitions in my head just like to make things more interesting um i love competition now like i'm i'm doing brazilian jiu-jitsu and um obviously i can't at this point because of coronavirus but when it's over like i'll be competing like 100 percent. like i'm not going to be a a world record brazilian jiu-jitsu fighter at all Mm -hmm. but like i love competing and i remember before i got into powerlifting i was 
working with a, a nutritionist in Sweden and I was, I was 18, 19 years old. His name is Martin Birkin. And I wanted, he, like, he's really the guy that sort of taught me the, the science behind fat loss. Like he, he was the guy who, who made it very clear for me, the truth about it, all the myths and the fallacies, just how simple it really is. Right. And so I told him, I was like, I, I really want to get into powerlifting. And he was like, listen, I'm not the best guy to coach you in powerlifting. I recommend you go to this person, this person, or this person. But I'll never forget this. He said, I very strongly recommend you compete. I recommend you compete very soon. He said, because you don't need to be a world record powerlifter to compete. In fact, you're only going to become a world record powerlifter, <clears throat> excuse me, because you've competed for years before that. So he's like, just the simple act of competition will make you stronger. Just simply going into a competition will make you stronger. Knowing that you have a competition on a given day, it will make your training more fun. It will make your training more intense. It will make your training more valuable. You'll put more effort into it. And, and I've seen that from wrestling. I've seen that from powerlifting. I've seen that from jujitsu. I've seen that in various forms of business. Having mm -hmm. a set day by which I must be at my absolute peak performance makes right. everything – motive the need for motivation is gone because that's your motivation it's like i need to be my best on this day so i'm going to prioritize my workouts i'm going to prioritize my nutrition it's like there's so much value to me in competition that i i couldn't possibly i know not everyone is as competitive as i am but even if you're not very competitive i still think having competition even if it's just versus yourself just you versus you that's the most important and that's really what powerlifting is because when you're going to a powerlifting competition there are other lifters in your weight class, but I've always said, if you go to a powerlifting competition and you win your weight class, you beat everybody else, but you didn't hit a personal record, that's a bad day. Like you didn't do well. But if you go to a powerlifting competition and you lose, like you get dead last, but you hit a personal record in all of your lifts, that's a great day. It's because you're better than you were before. Like no one cares if you got first place in the powerlifting competition, but you got weaker since the last time you competed. Like that's not good. If you go to a competition and you, you gain 10, 20, 30, 50 pounds in your total, that means your last training phase was a huge success. And that's what matters. That's really interesting. That kind of sounds like almost like a two edged sword in a way. Um, but I like the idea though of competing against yourself. So, cause as you, you mentioned there, because of the, I guess, the intensity of the, the competition and that kind of training, you only do so many competitions a year, like say two or three, maybe at the most. Yep. It sounds like then that's a really good way to incentivize yourself is to have that contest against yourself yes. every week, every day. Like, right, I'm going to push this for an extra rep or an extra few kg or pounds or whatever. And just it's like that sort of fuel. Yeah. And even just the motivation to get into the gym, mm. like the, the periods in my life in which I didn't have a competition to prepare for is when I was the least consistent with the gym. Right. I, I would easily find a reason not to go. I would yeah. easily find a, a reason to justify doing something else, sleeping in or doing more work, whatever it was. And there were periods of my life in which I focused hundred percent on my business and I don't regret it because it, it's, it's been a blessing, but I let my physical fitness and physical health go. Whereas when I have a focus of competition for my physical fitness, even when I'm not trying to be the best, I'm just trying to be better than I am today. It fuels me to be consistent. It fuels me to have my nutrition in check. It fuels me to be consistent in the gym. Every workout doesn't have to be your best workout, but at least you're going, at least you're doing it. And if we're looking at the, the mass population, most people just struggle to get in the gym period. So yeah. I'd
or find a way to get people motivated to work out at all than just to, I, I'm not concerned about making people a world record lifter. I'm concerned about making people healthy and getting stronger. So if, if it's just about a competition with yourself and it works as a really good way to get you in the gym to strive to get better, I'd say it's a huge win for everyone. Absolutely. And that kind of leads me on actually to a, to a point, just when broadening out a little bit, talking about weight training in general, I'm 100% with you. Um, just on a personal note, I stumbled across Mike Matthews book a few years ago, um, BLS. And yeah, that, that was a real game changer. And then I discovered you through listening to the podcast and a, and a few other people that I since now follow. And it's, even though gyms around here have been, um, you know, obviously not, we've not been able to get inside them for a few months. Um, but yeah, it, it completely turned weightlifting around for me within like a, a short space in a couple of years. And, and as you say, all the other stuff that comes with it, what would you say is perhaps your favorite thing then about weight training in general you know there's this um i don't know whether to call it an article or a poem or what uh do you know who henry rollins is i know the name yeah it rings a bell yeah so so he wrote this i I encourage everyone to look this up it's called the iron and i i I guess i would just call it like a a piece like a written piece this piece it's not an exaggeration to say that it saved my life when i was in college um because when I got into college, I hated college. Like, I hated it. I hate, like, I was not in a good mental place, emotional place. It was like the worst couple of years of my life. And powerlifting saved my life. And the iron is what, like, I used to read this piece before I went into the gym almost every day. And basically, one of the most famous lines from this piece is, 200 pounds is always 200 pounds. It doesn't matter how much money you make. It doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what your job is. It doesn't matter anything. 200 pounds is 200 pounds. The iron doesn't lie. And, and I just get like goosebumps just thinking about it. But it's like... It's a good line. <laughs> it, it's such... It's so, and I like read the whole thing. Like I'm going to read it again after we get off just because it's so powerful. It's so true. It, it's the one equalizer among humans. In terms of, it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter how much money you make. Like the iron doesn't lie. And it's the truest competition between an individual and him or herself. It's just, it's just, it's you versus you. It's you versus the iron. And as long as you're getting stronger, the iron will tell you the truth. If you're not getting stronger, the iron will tell you the truth. And there's something about that that is so humbling and so encouraging and so helpful to know that it's like you have complete control over whether or not you're getting stronger. You have complete control and the iron's going to tell you whether or not you've been doing it right. And it's like, that's just it. It won't lie to you. It'll never cheat on you. It'll never, it'll never try and scam you. Just, this is the truth. Take it or leave it. That, that is amazing. That's, I really like that. And yeah, I'm going to look up that article and link it in the show notes. Cause I think that definitely sounds very familiar, everything you've just said there. And I couldn't agree more. And, I, and I'm sure you see this because this is your career. It's fascinating to me. And I, I find myself doing it. Once you start doing something as simple as you say, picking up the heavy thing, picking up the iron and sort of accepting that truth of this is it. I just, it's me versus me, like you say. And, and then you start doing the simple things, like you said, like the bench deadlift. I hadn't deadlifted in, I, only until two years ago. I tried it. And I was amazed at how how great it felt and how quickly things progressed. And and then you start looking at other stuff in your life and going, well, what else am I not 
put an effort into what else can i start to and it's amazing isn't it how many people suddenly then branch into other areas of life just from going to the gym right picking up weights and a, a lot of people don't believe me when i say that like it's one of the simplest ways if you want to change something about your life that you're not happy about as you say many people don't take that first step just go and do 100%. that first start doesn't matter what you're picking up no one cares go and pick it up start from the beginning and then just go from there and you'll be amazed at what what can change in like six months if you really yeah. try have you, have you heard of rate of perceived exertion rpe yes so mm-hmm. it's a way to measure how difficult something is in the gym for anyone who doesn't know so uh, a rate of perceived exertion rpe is a scale of one to ten and so if, if something is an rpe one it's very easy it's basically nothing RPE 10 is you're failing, like you can't actually lift it. So it's interesting to see how an RPE in the gym can transfer to RPE in your life, right? So when you're, maybe when you first start training and like your muscles are burning and like it's really, really hard, you might look at something as like an RPE 9, like just so close to failure. But then in two months, that same weight is an RPE 4, and you get used to that struggle, you get used to the burning. And then not only that, but your idea of an RPE nine changes over the years. What might've been super uncomfortable and really like really difficult to push through, it becomes normal for you, becomes like relatively comfortable. So what you might've once called an RPE nine is now an RPE six or an RPE seven. So now you get used to this idea of being comfortable, being uncomfortable, which Mm -hmm increases your resiliency and your ability to keep pushing through pain and that carries over to every aspect of life in terms of being able to push through a hard set where maybe maybe before like when when you reached a certain level of pain you would have quit at eight reps but now when you know you reach that threshold you have another four or five reps in you so then you get to 12 or 13 reps it's like you had the strength all along but it was the 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 willingness and the desire and the resiliency to push through that now gets you even more repetitions, gets you more strength, more stronger, more endurance. And that carries over to everything you do in life. You know, it's, there's a lot of cliches and a lot of of sayings that you can get from, from lifting, you know, squat is like a squat is a good metaphor for life. It's like, you're gonna have a really heavy weight, take you down, but you got to be strong enough to stand back up with that weight on your back. It's like same thing with life. So there, there's so many lessons that you learn from the iron and from lifting that carry over to everything you do. That's very well said. Thank you. Um, uh, well, I guess kind of leads me into another question, really. So w- what was it that kind of made you want to pursue the health and fitness sort of industry as, as a kind of career? Because as you said, you obviously love powerlifting, love the contest. You've given us all that amazing stuff about what the gym means to you and, and weight training in general. So was it just as a, a desire then to kind of naturally pass that on to as many people as possible? So it's a really good question. So a lot of people become coaches because they love working out and they're like, Oh, I love working out. So, you know, I love being in the gym. I'll just be in the gym all day and help and do this with other people. Those coaches burn out and they don't last. I love coaching. Like I love coaching. And I remember when I got my internship at that gym, when I was 14 years old, uh, they sort of let me work with clients after a while. And I learned a lot. They would let me work with clients supervised by the coaches there. And uh, the first client I ever worked with was a 68 year old guy named Fred and the true story. And Fred, um, his only goal was to be able to pick his grandson up without hurting his shoulders. 
because he had torn rotator cuffs. His shoulders were not in a good place. He was, he, he couldn't get surgery on them because it was be too invasive at that age. And it wouldn't have been a good idea to get surgery that late. So it was basically managing his pain and his mobility in a way that he could pick his grandson up without hurting himself. Right. And I remember, I mean, all throughout life, hopefully you're gaining more and more perspective, but at 14 years old, you have very little perspective. And my, my goal at 14 was to uh, get stronger and to look good naked and to perform well in wrestling. They thought I wanted to have a six pack and I wanted to be a good wrestler. That was it. And in my mind, like that's what everyone wants. Everyone wants to look good naked. Like that's all, that's like the perspective I had. And when my first client, when I realized like he didn't care if he had a six pack, he didn't care what percentage body fat he had. He didn't, he literally just wanted to be able to pick his grandson up. And I remember hearing that and being like, just bewildered but in a good way like oh my god like it it was i felt a lot of meaning and purpose attached to what i was going to help this guy do and it completely transformed my idea of a coach and that's when i fell in love with coaching because a coach's job isn't to get people to do what you want to do a coach's job is to help people do what they want to do and most coaches fail when they try and get people to become what the coach wants them to be. It's sort of like the father who tries to live through his son, right? The father who wanted to be a professional baseball player. So he forces his son to play baseball, even though the son doesn't want to play baseball. It's like you see a lot of coaches trying to get their clients to be bodybuilders or powerlifters or Olympic lifters. When it's like that client, they just, they just want to feel better. They just want to be consistent and move better. And I fell in love with that process of finding out what they want, helping them figure out what they want, and then helping them achieve it, not getting them to do what I wanted them to do. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And it kind of makes me think, actually, something you just touched upon there is there's so many, as we already have mentioned, really, there are so many different ways of getting into it as well. Like you say, everyone's yeah. goals are different. And like, I'm sure you wouldn't have said to that, you know, that 68-year-old man, right, you're going to go and deadlift. You know, that would have been a terrible idea. <laughs> so, that would have been awful. Yeah, exactly. And my favorite lift we didn't do. It had nothing yeah. to do with his program. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, it's, it's different things for different different people. I suppose that's another reason why people get into weight training in general. Um, yeah, even stuff, I, I would say even people that perhaps would say they're not necessarily the most physical people can admire the feats of strength. You know, there's a reason why, like, it's like bodybuilding competitions, or even I think strongman competitions are more popular than they've ever been. Because mm-hmm. I mean, let's face it: who of us doesn't, you know, draw hit the floor when you're watching like Eddie Hall deadlift 500 kilos? You're thinking, what? Even if, you don't, even if you don't go to the gym, you'll watch that and think that's incredible. Yeah, it's um, insane. Yeah, so it, it's something that anyone can, I think, get into. Uh, it makes me actually leading on to that. Um, you mentioned the community side of it then so sort of talk to us about that then because that's something that maybe people don't know about some people's idea of a gym as they walk in and it's a bunch of hairy sweaty dudes looking in a mirror and you know they're quite aggressively throwing weights up and you kind of think oh i don't know if i want to even get in their eye line let alone have a conversation with them but what's the reality of of being in sort of well i mean there there might be a lot of hairy sweaty dudes in there grunting and throwing (laughs) weights around but you have to remember those hairy sweaty dudes are are humans and like a lot of those dudes are some of the nicest sweetest most insecure people you'll ever meet insecure nervous um wondering what you think about them like uh, one of my favorite podcasts i ever did with a good friend of mine a client of mine tattooed head to toe well over six feet 
well into the 200s, like big dude, motorcycle dude, gun dude. Um, but I had him on my podcast and I was talking about, you know, what it's like to be in the gym. And he's like, I can tell that people look at me and they're scared. But what they don't know is like, I'm scared of what they think of me. And he's worried about what people are thinking about him. And he's insecure about it. And he's in the squat rack lifting hundreds of pounds, but he's looking in the mirror at the people looking behind him, scared of him. And he's like, I wish they knew that like, I'm a nice guy and that like, they can ask me for help. And that like, I like, I hope they're not scared or intimidated by me. Like, it's so funny. A lot of people go in the gym and look at those big, hairy, sweaty dudes and be like, I don't want them to judge me, but they're actually judging them, right? They're judging the big, hairy, sweaty dude and they don't even realize it, right? It's like the whole old saying, like, don't judge a book by its cover. It's like you, you will go into a gym and there will be big, hairy people in there. There'll be strong people in there, people who, are, who maybe look like they know what they're doing but it doesn't mean that they're not nice and it doesn't mean that they won't help you. And it doesn't mean that they're going to make fun of you. There'll be jerks everywhere you go. Right. It doesn't, it, 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 that shouldn't be a reason for you not to go. And it shouldn't be a reason for you not to interact with other people. And, and I, the vast majority of the community at gyms are incredibly nice and incre- incredibly encouraging and supportive and helpful. And I think the, the biggest issue that people have is they, they write someone off before they ever give them a chance. That's very well said. And I couldn't agree more with you. Again, I, I'm someone that had that perception, um, especially in the early years, you know, before I'd even got into weight training properly. I think that was something that put me off ever looking into it was sort of being intimidated and letting your own insecurities get the better of you. And but as you say, when you actually stop and think about it, there's a reason why they're in here. There's a reason why they're training so hard. And like yep. you say, not always, but, majority of the time it's it's born out of insecurities that are probably very common to your own that's exactly right you might look at the dude who's you know six foot five and like you say 200 and something pounds and you know is like 10 percent body fat and think oh man that guy and i I, I, here's me and i I don't feel but (laughs) guaranteed that guy's thinking a lot worse about himself he's he's probably yeah stupid fat guy look at you you and we'd be going what no you're not and and that's the thing i've had some amazing conversations with people like that and it's amazing, like you say, when you just have a conversation, what comes out. And, and nine times out of 10, this is the other thing. If you want to get better at something, ask someone who's doing well at it. Yeah. You don't need to be intimidated 100%. by them. If, if they're lifting heavy weights and you think, I wish I could lift heavy weights, well, ask him what he's doing. You know? I mean, 100%. Myself and my, my dad had an amazing conversation because he got into it. And same thing. He's, like, changed a lot. Um. And there was this one guy we saw in the gym and he was a big guy and he was benching serious weight and deadlifting with, and my dad just went over to him one day and just said, you know, I'm really liking the deadlift, but I've noticed you've, you've got great technique and you're doing really well. Like, can you give me any tips? And had a really nice chat with, again, same thing, loveliest guy I'd ever spoken to. And he gave my dad some amazing tips and, you know, some few extra exercises and things he could do and came away with more knowledge. I love that. You know? That's, yeah. This is the vast majority of people. Most people are very nice and very encouraging and very welcoming and very supportive. There are some people who are not, but the vast majority of people are nice. (laughs) Yeah. I guess it comes back to what we were saying earlier, which is most people, when they get into it, are there just for Mm self-improvement. And they love what they're doing and they love the kind of the kick you get from the endorphins, the the sense of self-worth, all the good stuff that comes with it. So of course they're going to want to pass that on to you if you ask nicely 
I'm sure they'll give you some tips um, and stuff. Again, like you say, there'll, there'll be some idiots and look, that's life. You'll, you'll get a couple of people like that. You just ignore them. Exactly. You move on to someone else who will help you. If there's a jerk at the coffee shop, you don't just write off coffee shops altogether. <laughs> it's like, that's great. I'm, I'm keeping That's brilliant. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful stuff. Um, uh, sort of on that note then, I mean, I, I'm curious because you, again, you've got such great expertise now in this entire field and you can look at it from a completely different perspective to the, you know, the average gym goer such as myself. Um, is there anything in the sort of weightlifting culture that you, perhaps you would like to see go? Yeah, I mean, no matter how how good the science-based community gets, I think there's always going to be myths and fallacies and, and ways about things that people do wrong and incorrectly. And that includes in the science-based community, right? I mean, I know one of the biggest issues that I have with the science-based community is if there's not a study done on it, then they're not doing it. It's like they judge everything based on the research. Like it, it has to be researched or else it's worthless. It's like, that is a very stupid way of going about things. It's like, we know things through years and years of trial and error in the gym. We don't necessarily have to have a randomized controlled trial to know that it works or not. So, I mean, that's one thing. It's, that's one of my beefs with the science-based community is there are some really strong, really incredible athletes, men and women who do extraordinary things, not based off of the research, just based off of trial and error. The reality is that is research. It's not published research, but it's research. So, and that's one of my issues with the science-based community is only going off of like what the scientific literature says. And then other areas, I mean, big trends around uh, the whole like no pain, no gain, right? Where like you have to obliterate yourself every single time you go to the gym. It's not true. It's like, you don't have to be drenched in sweat to have a good workout. You don't have to be so painfully sore that you can't walk for four days to have a good workout. It's like, it's just, it's just not true. It's like, go in, intelligent strength training promotes more intelligent strength training right? So if you're doing one workout that's putting you out for the next five days, that was not an intelligent workout. Your, your one workout should promote the next workout. It should encourage the following workout. Each workout is the, the benefits, the, the, the validity of one workout is predicated on the one that came before it and the one that comes after it, right? So it's not any one workout in isolation. It's all of your workouts as a whole. So I think a lot of people look at every workout as a do or die all in or nothing like need to obliterate myself or it's not worth it. And you can see this in how people talk about their personal trainers, right? Someone will say, Oh, I had the best personal trainer. He kills me every time. I'm like, that's such an interesting thing to say. Like I had the best coach. He kills me. It's like, that's really, I mean, how, how are the results? Like, have you lost body fat? Are you getting stronger? Are you happier with your body? Do you, are you reaching your goals? It's like, I don't care about how tired you get. Anyone can make you tired. Just go run from here to there. Guarantee you'll be tired. Like I care about, are you getting better? So a lot of people chase a stimulus rather than a result. And so I, I would love to see people focus more on, okay, in three months, have I lost body fat? Have I gotten stronger? Am I more defined? Are my measurements going the direction I want them to rather than how do you feel at the end of the workout? It's important, but that's not the sum and substance of whether or not the workout was effective. Hmm. That's very well said. And yeah, just from personal experience, I completely agree with you. Um, I've had many uh, coaches and, and programs and classes where like you say, you come away, you know, practically half dead. <laughs> and, and you're kind of programmed almost to think well that's good I've, I've used all this energy that must mean i you know i'm burning calories i'm doing this that and the other 
and I can't walk for the next three days. This is great. I'm, I'm doing something. And it's like, yeah. no, and like you say, you can go months and months and you're still not getting anywhere. And, um, you know, as I said earlier, I picked up the, the LS book and it's a strength training program, which for anyone who doesn't know is, is quite a basic way to get into it. And I was amazed actually doing the, you know, there was some muscle soreness. Of course there was some fatigue, but it was nowhere near what I'd ever experienced. It was really mild. And the first couple of weeks, I was thinking, am I lifting here? Am I doing this right? And then months later, it's like, well, I'm seeing results. So I must be, but I'm not aching half as much as I normally did. And yeah, I, I totally agree. That's one thing that, yeah, that needs to go. And, and the reason why I kind of cover stuff like that is not to be negative about a subject. It's just, it's good for people that want to get into it to be aware. So that's one thing straight away. Yeah, if, if someone's telling you, you've got to kill yourself in the gym and no pain, no gain. Yeah, okay, mate. Settle down. You know, that's that's and, not that's not the way it, it goes, is. <laughs> it goes the other way too. Like yeah. strength, tra- strength training isn't supposed to tickle, right? Nope. It's like, nope. <laughs> like if you're going in and you're never sore and or you're you're using a weight and you're finishing the set and you're not breathing heavy, or like your muscle wasn't burning at all and that never happens, then you're probably going too light or you're not pushing the intensity high enough, right? So it's finding the balance between you shouldn't be injuring yourself. You shouldn't be like in, in pain, but it also shouldn't be tickling you either. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you there. And um, I, I just another thing on that in this area, I'm sure you agree with me here. One thing I would personally see the back of is this idea of only ever focusing on aesthetics. You know, I feel like things like that come along naturally and they're different for everybody, but I think that's something that puts a lot of people off whenever I've spoken to people in the gym. And it it sort of comes back to what we were saying earlier, people feeling judged, even if it's not by the big hairy sweaty guy in the mirror, they might feel like, you know, I'm not doing enough or I'm not as fit as this person, or I'm not, you know, this program or this supplement says that I should have abs by now or something or this, you know, whatever it is, this DVD and those things can kind of stop you and you're dead in your tracks. So I guess my question for you is, are there things that within weight training, within health and fitness that kind of are a good counterbalance to that? A counterbalance to, to feeling judged. Yeah. yeah, I guess. And that, that sort of, that kind of negative image sometimes that people can get of not feeling good enough or not feeling like they've reached their goals or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I guess this is more of a philosophical discussion. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I mean, and I love philosophy. It's just, this isn't just a, this isn't just a workout. This is a human thing. Like this isn't just a fitness yeah. thing. This is a human struggle. You see this in, in fitness. You see this in business. You see this in relationships. You see this in everything. Um, and I think, you know, the, the old saying goes, comparison is the thief of joy, right? Where, where it's like, now the issue is a lot of people say, quit comparing yourself to other people. I think that's a bad idea. Sort of in the same way, like you probably wouldn't tell your girlfriend, hey, like relax, or hey, calm down. Or hey, like, <laughs> like that's just going to end very poorly for you. It's I've, like, uh, yeah, I've been married just over a year, and I can tell you that doesn't work. <laughs> doesn't work. It's just not gas, a good gas idea. Meat fire. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly right. <laughs> like telling people how to feel is a very poor idea. So, comparison is a natural human thing to do. In fact, I think comparison actually is from an evolutionary perspective, a very good thing to do. Comparison might drive you to be better and do better. The issue is when you compare yourself unrealistically to someone else, and then the comparison causes you to stop taking action towards getting better, right? So I would say most people, like maybe you go to the gym and it's your 
you're, it's your fourth week in the gym and you're looking at someone who's been going to the gym for 10 years. It's like, and you're comparing yourself to them. Now, maybe they're, maybe they're also taking drugs. Doesn't matter. We're just, we're only going to talk about someone who's been in there for 10 years versus someone who's been in there for four weeks. If you're comparing yourself to them and getting discouraged, you're comparing yourself, your chapter one is someone else's chapter 15, right? That's number one. Not only that though, it's also two completely different books. And not only is it two completely different books, they're different books written in different languages. <laughs> so you're comparing your chapter one to someone else's chapter 15 and a different book written in a different language. That makes no sense. What are you doing? Now, look, if you look at that person who's been in there for 10 years and use it as motivation to fuel you to say, that's possible. Like, I can do that. Great. But if you look at that person as then as, a, as an opportunity to say, well, I suck. I need to stop. What's the point? I'm never going to look like that. That's, that's comparison used in a bad way. Use yeah. comparison to drive you to get better, not to justify yourself quitting. Right. That's, that's very well said. Thank you. Because again, a bit long-winded in my wording, apologies, but that is a common objection. And again, I, I, I speak from experience. It's something I find myself saying is, well, I'm not going to look like this person or that person. And it's like, well, yeah, of course not. When you actually stop and think about it logically, everything you've just said is exactly right. So, you know, it's interesting. I do jujitsu and, and I'm a white belt in jujitsu. Right. Right. So, yeah. I mean, I've been doing jujitsu for over a year. Um, I'm a white belt. And in jujitsu, there, there's a white belt, blue belt, blue belt, purple, brown, black. Right. And right. so to get to a black belt takes usually at least 10 years. Wow. So I, now that I do that, it's interesting because I'll go against a, a blue or a purple or a brown or a black and I'll get my ass kicked. I'll get my butt kicked. So like, <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. I just, I, and I'll, I'll just get destroyed. Yeah. And yeah. of course, like I'm disappointed, but I always look at that as like, listen, this person's been doing it for four years or six years or eight years or 10 years. I've been doing it for a year. It's like right. if I could beat them, that would not be a good sign for them. Like that would be like the school's bad. The instructors are bad. They're just promoting for whatever reason. Like I sort of wish there were belts. Like I've been thinking about something like this for my inner circle, like creating belts for members. Like, okay, once you've been in it for like a year and a half, you get this level belt because number one, it's something to strive for, to look forward to. You want to get that belt to, uh, to show that you've improved and you've gotten to a certain level of proficiency, but also so that like, if you're, if you're a white belt and you're comparing yourself to a brown belt, it's like, there's an eight years of difference there. Like, the, the, of course, some uh, a brown belt in nutrition is going to have a better relationship with food than a white belt. Of course. Yeah. So it's like it just makes sense, and I think it's it's an advantage to doing something like jujitsu or something with a belt ranking system because you can carry that over to other parts of life. It's like you would never compare a white belt to a black belt. No. So ever, it just doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. And you can do that in different areas of life, including fitness. It's like that person who's been in the gym for 10 years with unbelievable genetics, they're a black belt. If it's your mm -hmm. fourth week, congratulations, you're a white belt. Like the fact that you're in here says a lot about you. Now keep going for 10 more years and then you can start comparing yourself to that person. But in the meantime, if you're going to compare yourself, use it as motivation of what's possible, not like to, to bring yourself down. That's very well said. And and um, yeah, I just say, again, it's something that I'd love people to hear because I think you're one of the best people to talk to about all of this. And yeah, what you just said is lovely. It's, it's whether you're starting right from the beginning, it's fine. Don't worry about it. That, that's the joy of, of, of weightlifting of any capacity is you can only sort of, well, if you stick at it, you can only get better. You can only get stronger. Yeah, which leads, right. me, leads me on to um, just probably my final question for you, really. Um, where should a newbie begin then? So someone's approaching the gym floor for the first time. 
again, from your experience as a coach, what would you say to them to get them started? I would say, I would say, where, where should they do for the first, like in terms of what exercises should they do? Yeah, yeah, just just if someone's walking, because I mean, gyms are going to hopefully be open soon. And I mean, again, it's different for everyone in the world. Um, if you've got one that's safe and you're like, right, I'm going to get back in the gym, I'm walking in the yep. first time. I would say, you know, there are a bunch of programs that come to mind that are initial good programs to start. You know, Bigger, Leaner, Stronger, I think is a great beginner program. Uh, 531, I haven't heard anyone talk about this in years, is by a a great lifter named Jim Wendler. It's probably the most simple, basic, and and well-thought-out program for beginners in weightlifting. Like, I love it. Such a good program. Uh, Starting Strength by Mark Ripito is a wonderful place to begin. Um, Do not listen to his nutrition advice. It's remarkably stupid. But his strength (laughs) training advice is tremendous. Like, his his strength training program is great. Just a side note, I'm glad you brought that up. (laughs) Because I was wondering, like, I've got that book, um, Starting Strength. And yeah, his, obviously, because he, anyone who doesn't know, just Google the guy from the 80s and you'll just see one picture and you go, oh, okay, I get it. You know, he knows what he's talking about when it comes to lifting. Yeah, he has some very interesting ideas on stupid nutrition advice, yeah. like old school, get as big as possible. It just, but yeah. his, his yeah. strength training for beginners is great. Um, so, and the reason that I say, you know, bigger, leaner, stronger, five, three, one, starting strength, they're most, I think one of the biggest issues people have when they just start is they don't know what to do and they don't have a plan. They go in and they do what their buddy is doing. They go in and they look on Instagram and they do a random workout on Instagram. It's like, if you're doing random workouts, then you're, the fatal flaw is you're not tracking your progress. This, this is the most important part of any program, but especially when you're a beginner, is tracking your progress with consistent lifts and program because that's what's going to get you excited to go back. If you're doing squat on Monday, bench on Wednesday, deadlift on Friday, and you have the set and rep schemes planned out and you know like what your starting weight is, then you're going to, all right, next week I'm going to try and go up 10 pounds. Next week I'm going to try and go five pounds. Next week I'm going to try and do two more reps with this weight. You track your progress. Now it becomes something that you're excited about, you're planning, you're looking forward to. That's what gets you back in the gym. It's essentially a competition with yourself every time you go to the gym when you have a plan laid out for you. When you're doing random workouts, it might feel good and it might be sort of fun, but you have no idea if you're making progress or not, which is why like start, like Bigger, Leaner, Stronger, 531, Starting Strength, neither of them are my plans. I don't get any money for recommending them. They're just great starting plans to do that are going to get you started on the right track. That's brilliant. Thank you. And again, yeah, I would, as a, as a personal note, I'd agree with you. I've, I've looked at, I have heard of the 531 as well. I'm looking it up and yeah, any of those books that, that was, as you say, for me, that was the kind of aha moment was, oh, oh, I meant to have a plan. Oh, I meant to actually track my way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then I suddenly remember, you start doing that. I remember the, like, the first oh. time I followed a program for 12 weeks, I was like, wow. I made more progress in these 12 weeks than I did in the last three years because yeah. following a plan, go figure who knew. <laughs> I guess it's like, yeah, it's like, it's like having a budget or something, isn't it? And suddenly you go, Oh, Oh, that's how much I have. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Whereas you, you can live vicariously if you want, but it's, it's painful and pointless, I suppose. Um, but no, that's, that's really well said. Thank you. And just on that note then um, from anyone who does, you know, like what you're saying, and likes the sound of your voice, Jordan, which you know, <laughs> many of us do. Uh, where can they find you, and what what programs do you have? You mentioned the Inner Circle, which I know is one of your probably your most popular thing at the moment. 
Yeah, I would say don't buy anything from me until you you look at my other content and you like it. So um, if you want to follow me on Instagram, you can do that at Syatt Fitness or my own podcast, the Jordan Syatt Mini Podcast. But if you Google my name, Jordan Syatt, S-Y-A-T-T, you'll find a lot of information. Brilliant. Thank you. Very well said. And there we have it, our conversation with Jordan about weightlifting. Thank you once again, Jordan, for coming on to the podcast. It means so much to me. I really, really, really appreciate it. And I hope that you guys enjoyed the conversation. If you want to know more about Jordan and his work, you can find all the information linked below in this episode and also the article that he made reference to. It is absolutely fantastic. Again, I've linked it all in the show notes as well as my social medias, both of them at Fundamentals Pod on Twitter and Instagram. So go and check those out. And if you are enjoying the podcast, then by all means, tell a friend, like, subscribe, leave a nice review, send a smiley face, whatever you can do to help. It all goes a very, very long way, and I greatly appreciate it. Lastly, if you or anyone you know is interested in coming on, by all means, hit me up. There are a few spots available still, and we're considering all kinds of topics. I'll be back again in a couple of weeks' time with a completely different guest on a completely different subject. Until then, stay tuned and stay safe.